You're listening to Design Systems Beyond the Button, where we dive into everything related to design systems for everyone from newbies to seasoned practitioners. I'm Neff, Product Marketing Manager at Zero Height, and I'm excited to use this podcast to get my burning design systems questions answered. I'm joined by my colleague, Michelle Chen, a design advocate who has seen and experienced so much around design systems. And I'm really looking forward to sharing the tips, tricks, and experiences based on what I've done, but also from what I've seen from other design system teams. There's not much being said publicly because design systems can really be so personal to a company. So this is a great way to shed insight. Um, So you can then take that insight and create your bestest design system ever. Amazing. We figured for the very first episode, we would start with what feels like a simple question, but also feels quite complex. What is a design system? And I took the liberty to do some internet sleuthing to be able to figure out if the internet could define this for us. And what they say is that a design system is a complete set of reusable components guided by standards. And I got to be honest, that definition itself didn't really feel complete enough. Like, what does it mean to have a complete set of reusable components? What do you have to have in those components to actually make them reusable? And like, what the heck are those standards? So I suppose I was going to throw to you to do what the internet couldn't and help us define what a design system actually actually is. Ooh, that's that's a lot of pressure. I feel like the internet always has the right answers. Um, so I, I think that's a it's an interesting um, definition because it's like guided by standards. Like, are the standards part of the design system um, or are they not? So I, I think, you know, when you think of a design system at a high level, there's some tangible aspects of, um, you know, the design, like the actual Uh, libraries that you might use for the design of the buttons and other various components that compose uh, a website or an app. Um, And then there's a coded aspect of it. So those actual like designed elements that you use in your design tool as the actual in real life coded versions of them um, Mm -hmm. that appear in your products. And then uh, there's a documentation that tells uh, people, I guess, guides people on how to use and not use those pieces when building your app or site or product, what have you. That's it in a nutshell, right? Like, was that easy? (laughs) I feel like that was relatively easy. So what I got from that is you have to have the design part of it. What does this component actually look like? the code aspect of it, like how do we code it to get it into a product that real people can use. Then you've got your documentation that tells you what you should and shouldn't do with these components. And then theoretically, you also have this site that potentially wraps all of those things together and makes it really easy for folks to be able to parse through all of those different things. Is that right? Yeah, I I think that's the thing is like, um, you need to have like all three of those components and and bundled in something nicely packaged. Yeah. And I think what we'll do is like add a little ad about zero height in here because that's that's what we do. Um. <laughs> a quick word from our sponsor. Are you having trouble getting your design system to work for everyone in your business? Well, with zero height, you can have a central place where designers, engineers, product 
brand, content folks, they can all come together and they can talk the same language to make your design system as successful as it can be. From documentation to token management to governance features, Zero Height is the most robust design system tool on the market today. And you can try it out for free at zeroheight.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, exactly. And and I suppose like it does make sense, right? Like zero height is that binder or that connecting piece that gets all of those things into one place in a pretty pretty package, I suppose, for folks to be able to actually use it to be able to create products faster. Is that does that seem fair? Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I, I think that's the the thing is like, you know, I talk to companies who are, you know, working through their design system, setting it up, that type of stuff. And and they, you know, feel like, oh, well, we have Figma and we mm-hmm. have Storybook. Like, why why do we really need Zero Height? I'm like, well, Zero Height's like your launch pad. Like, mm-hmm. that's where everyone starts and then branches out from. Because I think you can look, you know, you can crawl through Figma files in Figma. You can use their search. You might find the wrong thing that looks right. Um, and that can get you into to hot water. So, so I think that's the thing is like, thinking of like having a launch pad for your your system is is really important totally and i think i am curious where a company ought to start right i think there is this adage that like a design system is never done and it's something that you are continuously building and maintaining but if it comes is comprised of all of these different parts. Do you start with creating something in Figma? Do you start with reusable code components? Do you have a site that maybe at first doesn't have very much in it? Like, like how does one actually go about creating a design system and then throwing it out there on a launch pad like Zero Height? Yeah, I think that's also a really good question. I think the trends have been changing um, with, especially with the ease and the way the tools are able to keep up and make our flows more our workflows more efficient so before it would be like okay we have to design something in a design tool and then engineering codes it and that that can still very much be a thing that happens um and then it's like well once we get all our pieces together then we'll we'll start the documentation site because that's going to be harder and i think with um all the tools that are available at our disposal from like design to engineering you can do that all at once now hmm. um so you don't have to take a more linear path and i definitely don't recommend people taking a linear path because once you like if you build the design components and then you code the engineering components and then wait to do your documentation, what's happening is that people are starting to build habits of not using documentation at all to do their job. Hmm. And then when you introduce documentation, they're like, well, I haven't had to use it now or before. So why would I need to use it now? And while you might understand the value of using it now, they have built this habit of like, I don't, I don't really buy it. Like, now you're just making me do extra work. And I think that's kind of where where a lot of the challenge comes from. So if you start at the beginning of like, hey, we've made a, like a button, because I think everyone starts there. Whether you should start there or not, that's a different story. Um, but you create the button in design, you code it, and then you write some guidance and you put all that information on your doc site. It doesn't have to be a complete doc site. It could just be having, it could just have that one component of your button and saying, this is when you use it. This is when you don't use it. This is how you use it. Um, and and so on and so forth. And that kind of just helps build the, the understanding that this is a design system, right? So it's not just like little pieces. It's actually a comprehensive thing that we all 
should be using. Totally. So do you recommend that folks start with a relatively simple design system that then builds the habit of people going to the doc site and using it as part of their practice? Yeah, for sure. And and doesn't necessarily mean you're having to start from scratch. I think mm. depending some some of your designers might have already created components in Figma or whatever design tool that is reusable for them, but they just haven't shared it. Um, and then same with engineering. Maybe some of the developers have created some reusable components. So it's just a more like a, a matter of like orchestrating that and kind of putting that all in one spot for everyone to use. So like I said, you might not be starting from scratch. So kind of see like where where things are with your your teams um, and, you know, see like where you can easily align. Because I think the big thing is, is like it doesn't need to be this huge overhaul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think about like the most used components, the most universal components and, and start there. See if there's already like a like a UI kit library that has some of these components, see if the codes are re- code is available and just putting that in a spot, adding some usage guidelines to start slowly building it um, is, is a good way to kind of get into that habit of, of building your design system. It doesn't have to happen overnight and it's hard for it to happen <laughs> overnight. So, so yeah, starting slowly. Totally. I think often when I speak to some teams, they start with the assumption that they have 0% of a design system. And listening to you talk, it sounds like for most folks, that just isn't true. You might have 10% of it or 20% of it in the form of a UI kit or in the form of code that has been passed around, even if it's just on a Notion doc or has been documented in GitHub or any other place that that might be present. And almost the first task that you have as a design system practitioner is to figure out where all of these mini or almost design systems might live or components of a design system and figure out how to bridge them together. And it almost seems like once you're able to do that, you sort of have like your first win and your first piece of buy-in from the organization at large, because at the very least, you've made it easier to find what has already existed and people are already getting value from. Does that seem right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that that's a great way to think about things is that, you know, it's it's really just kind of, you know, rounding up things that already exist. So to add add further value. So it's you're not it's not it's not this like I don't know, albatross where you're trying to like, <laughs> let's let's build this design system. We've got so many components and if you look at IBM's carbon and they've got so much and we've got zero, right? Like you have stuff. Um It's just a matter of like, you know, tidying it and putting it in a package. Yeah. And what about when I'm ready to go beyond a button? I think you're 100% right that lots of teams start with pretty simple components like a button. But what other things should be a part of a design system as it matures? What, What can I document to make it easier for my team to get products out there to real users? Yeah, there's um, there's definitely some more tactical things. So a lot of people start with like foundations or maybe they don't start with it, but they also include foundations. Mm-hmm. And some of that, if you have like a brand established or a brand team, um, you might include um, like the color palette, the typography, that type of stuff that might already be, be defined in other styles you're using. Um, so documenting some of that, that foundational language is really helpful. Um, and beyond beyond the button, 
literally. Um, <laughs> you can start to to document um, patterns. So you know, different. There's two. There's different types of patterns. So you know, a layout pattern of like how you might lay out components in a modal or a form or like a workflow pattern of like how uh, someone might be uh, the screens that might see when they log in what that that pattern looks like and then there's also content patterns so um, I know Ivan had asked a question you know how or where do you document the usage guidelines for content editors so um, part of it you can have as part of your foundations like your voice and tone um, some specific words that you do or don't use for for your product as well as content patterns of like what are um, the voice and tone or the structure of error messages or for particular patterns in your um, in your product. So I think those are like kind of the other things that people can start to add, which I think is also really helpful, literally beyond the button, right? Like beyond those components. So talk to me a little bit about how that changes the workflow for design system consumers. So what does it look like when people have only components like buttons documented versus having things like more complex patterns in pages. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the the lift of consuming the design system isn't going to be that much. That's like it's like a little bit like of a warm up exercise. Hmm. Like they probably all know how to use the buttons for the most part. So it's a matter of them like knowing what the correct library is to pull from to get those assets. Um, so you're kind of getting them like, you know, like trained and and kind of getting them exercised in in using the the tools that you have. So like your design system tools are your design tool, like where the libraries are for the engineers, where do they find those coded components? Um, and if they do have questions around like trickier edge case scenarios or usages around some of the components, they can look it up on the design system documentation site. So it's really getting that like mind shift set to to using um, what's available. And then as you introduce more complicated components, they're going to want to um, double check what they're using mm-hmm. or if you add components that they don't frequently use. Um, so maybe like a date picker or something, they can go reference like, how am I supposed to use the date picker? Where can I find the date picker? That type of stuff. Um, so then they'll they'll get there eventually. For sure. I like the articulation of trying to change behavior. Um, And it seems like a lot of this is just like understanding how humans work and making it easy for them to want to use the design system. And I suppose like in that same vein, Neil has a question as well, um, where they're asking, is it necessary for all of the stakeholders to have their input to decide things like guidelines and usage and design? And I suppose I'll add to Neil's question. I wonder, does them having input or not having input affect their likelihood of wanting to consume that documentation? Yeah. So I guess like, you know, maybe to clarify, like understanding who exactly the stakeholders are, the stakeholders, Hmm. the the users or the stakeholders like your higher up leadership. Um, So I think, you know, from uh, the day to day users, like definitely getting their input is really helpful because they have the, the context around things. Um, and and they probably have more context around usage guidelines. But um, Neil is talking about leadership. So yeah, definitely in terms of leadership, that's a whole different ballgame. I, I think that's the thing is like some leaders feel that they need to be super, super invested in every decision in the design system. Um, 
And to a certain extent, I, I kind of get that because they are held accountable to the consistency of their product, the look and the experience um, at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, like they should understand that they've hired experts. So designers who know their stuff, who can understand and define um, usage guidelines for components. Mm. Um, I think, you know, depending on uh, your product or your products and, and the what you're working on, um, there should be someone that has some semblance of like uh, an art direction skill set. So that might come in the form of like a director or someone, someone in leadership who can um, set the vision for like the the design and aesthetic um, of of your products and design system. Um, but for the day to day stuff like, you know, and component building and, and that type of stuff, it, it should rest on the design team themselves to make those decisions or in combination with um, engineers that work on it as well. And I think the biggest thing is like and I and I did have this trouble with before running design systems where um you know, the leader felt that they needed to be super, super involved because they were held accountable. So they wanted to like, and yeah, they are able to make all those decisions, but should they? Not really, because they have other leadership things to do, right? Um, so it's it's more about like having them understand that they can trust the leadership or they, they, can, t- they can trust the design system team um, to come up with some good decisions, good recommendations. And maybe if the design system team or the designers or engineers on the team can't make a decision, maybe the the leadership can weigh in on some of that. But um, I think because leaders are so aware of how accountable they are, they mostly just want to be informed. So, um, you know, a lot of times I would say, okay, we're not here to go over the finer details of usage guidelines. Like, we just want you to know this is what we set as the usage guidelines. And we want to know that or we want you to know that we've changed this one thing here or whatever. Um, and in other things like I've divided like around decision making. Um, like if there is a component that's frequently visible or frequently used in a product like a button, mm-hmm. maybe they have uh, a say in the art direction of the button or what have you, um, because that is something that is very visible um, for the product and something that the leaders will be held accountable to. Um, but for like another c- obscure component, like maybe uh, like a, a file upload picker, like they don't need to weigh in on that. They can just be informed that this has been designed because it only shows up in like two spots in the product. Um, so kind of understanding that, like where you want them to weigh in, but also making sure they feel comfortable with um, what level that we're asking for their involvement um, and what level makes sense for them. And and it's really a lot of like, a lot of it's just, I don't know, like leading, managing up and, and work, mm-hmm. like knowing how to work with, with people um, to be able to say, Hey, you know, we know you're super busy, so we want you weighing in on the most important decisions. And they'll get that. You know, like, don't waste your time, like, weighing in on a component that's only used in one screen. Like, we want your feedback and, and overall design uh, feedback on on the vision. Are we doing, you know, are we doing right by the vision that the team's established, that type of stuff. So um, that's that's kind of my guidance from there. Um, hope that was helpful. <laughs> I I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I really like sort of thinking about what impact 
each of the different things that we're documenting will actually have, right? Like, I think by very nature of a design system, we know that anything that we put in there is going to be reused in some way, but obviously the magnitude in which it is reused is a lot different uh, depending on the particular component. I also think that there are some things in a design system that are more governing in nature, right? So if we think about things like our foundations or our overall design principles, it seems like that might be something that is worth getting buy-in from leadership on and then sort of saying, okay, based off of these foundations that we've set, that is going to govern how we go about creating all of these components and patterns. So if you've given your thoughts there, then that has already trickled down to all of these other things that we're going to do on a day-to-day, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I think that's the thing is like design systems just, you know, aren't those like coded components or library kits in your design tool. Like there's so much more to that. Like it's that whole governance that, that you mentioned, Neff, is, you know, understanding how components get added to the design system, who mm. is responsible and who's held accountable for making those decisions, um, who is, you know, just going to be informed um, and, and why is that the case? And understanding like, you know, how changes are communicated, how does someone go about submitting a component? Um, what does that, that look like? There's a lot of like intangible things that people just like, you know, that aren't part like of a visible design system, but are very integral to the, the health of a good design system. Um, and then, you know, having that defined, and documenting that is super important because that way everyone can kind of go to your launch pad. Um, hopefully your launch pad zero height, but you can go to your launch pad and then go, okay, what's the process? I have this cool component. I want it added. And then they can kind of see like what the process is. Um, and maybe it, you know, they, they can submit it. Maybe it's not ready to be submitted. Um, maybe if they have questions, they know who to reach out to. So it, it, it leaves it. So there's people aren't, making stuff up, making assumptions, chasing after random people. It also helps a design system team. So they're not fielding a ton of questions because as you know, design system teams, especially if there isn't an established team, you're probably doing other project work. And as much as you want to be helpful in answering questions, you don't necessarily have the time or it can be very interrupting to your, your Zen flow of designing when someone's like, Hey, you know, I want to submit this button or this component for uh, the design system. What do I do? You know, like it, if it's documented somewhere, they can go and answer that themselves um, to hopefully make your life easier and their life easier too. For sure. So, so far we've talked about a couple of core groups. You've got the main design system contributors, which might be folks who are entirely dedicated to design system work um, or folks who are partially dedicated. We've got leadership that's going to sit above that design system team um, and might have minimal input into the design system. Um, And then we also have this group that we've talked about a little bit, but not a whole lot. And those are all the people in the organization that are going to consume the design system and hopefully make it a pretty core part of their workflows. So who are those people? And maybe we sort of separate them by the people who are going to get the most value and be in the design system day to day, and perhaps people that might be ancillary to that and might need to view it every once in a while, but we still ought to think about. 
Yeah, for sure. There's, there's, I think there's, that's the secret or maybe it's not the secret. It's just maybe something that's unknown is that your the people that use your design system are, there's so many people and you might not know it because they're not coming to you with questions. They just happen to, to go to your launch pad. Right. Um, so, you know, I think most obviously is the designers and engineers, um, who are coming in to figure out, you know, what are the components I should be using to, to build the product with, um, and, you know, adjacent to that, there might be some content writers, uh, UX writers, um, technical writers who might want to come in to see, understand, you know, like if there's any content patterns they should be aware of, voice tone language. I think the thing is like, you know, depending on how well versed you are with the design system and your level of experience building things within the product, you might not have to like reference the design system documentation site like all the time. You just reference it when you aren't sure or just want to double check or if there's something new, um, just so you, you're, you're aware of things. So you're not, it's kind of like Wikipedia. You're like, oh, I don't know, you know, is this person still alive? So you like look them up and, <laughs> and you find out if they're, this is the Halloween episode. So we're going a little morbid. Um, <laughs> so we see, oh, I didn't know that person was still alive. Um, so, so stuff like that, you kind of just like reference check it. Um, but I think beyond that, there are lots of other people. So like maybe your product manager who isn't, you know, in the day-to-day weeds of designing things might have some questions around how things are being done or what options they have if they're thinking through other things um, and other features and and just maybe trying to keep a pulse on what other products are doing. Um, I think also um, the research team too, maybe you have researchers helping you with design system components and stuff like vetting them, but they might want to see like, oh, you know, if it's part of our process to test components in a more, a more organic way as part of like a workflow, let me see what changes have been made. Let me see if we've tested any of these components. And if not, let, let's see if we can fit them in to some upcoming usability tests. And I think beyond that, like also QA people, QA people might be testing uh, a feature and say, oh, this this button acted weird. I don't know if it's a bug or if this is by design. So they can reference that as well. Um, technical writers who do, if you have like enterprise products who are like writing those like hardy instruction documentation, um, they might want to see like how uh, components are should be used. Um, so if they can get the the right terminology correct, that type of thing. Um, and even beyond that, like, you know, depending on how your team or organization is set up, you might have a separate brand or marketing team. They might want to check in to see, like, you know, how is the brand being adopted within product so they can showcase that, um, you know, maybe there might be some tweaks that they need to make to the actual brand and stuff. Because I know um, previously when um, the brand was redesigning a color palette for this one company I was working with, um, the the color green wasn't accessible. So um, we worked with them on tweaking the color green to make it accessible for our products. And so it was good to so reference, okay, like what is that accessible green that we should use for product that, you know, should we make it part of our, our brand, um, so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of design system, a lot of, yeah, users to your design system. Um, and, and they might pop out of the woodwork, um, and surprise you guys. I remember I was working with, um, at one company where they, the marketing team and brand team was separate. They worked on the marketing websites and not the product websites and they launched their design system. And we had all these other engineers who didn't work on marketing see this and they started like pinging our design team going hey what's up with this why what about Mm. this or I'm trying to use this I don't know how to you know and it's just like I didn't even think that those engineers would like even start to like look at 
the design system for the marketing team. Um, so that was an interesting lesson learned because I was like, oh, you never know who's going to look at your site. Um, you can even like people, if it's your, your site's public, people might look at it and like, especially uh, like interview candidates mm. want to see like, hey, you know, oh, do they have a design system? What does it look like? Oh, it's great. I kind of want to work there, right? Like, I think it's a good way to attract good talent or deter talent if your design <laughs> system is not, not great. <laughs> For sure. So... To me, it kind of sounds like most people in an organization would be able to find some value in the design system, right? Like it might be that they come and get a question answered and they do that once a year or twice a year uh, versus folks who are in it. But I would think, especially if I am in a large organization, the challenge becomes how do I make sure that all of these people are actually aware of the design system? So how do you handle that? Like, how do you handle design system adoption? How do you handle communication? So like that initial launch and then also saying, hey, we've changed this component or we've updated this color or whatever it may be. Like, just like, how do you get the word out? Yeah, I, I think that in itself is like its own thing that a lot of people don't think about necessarily until they've created a design system and they're like, nobody's using it. And oftentimes it's like, well, how have you been telling people? Oh, we, we haven't been telling people. OK, like like you got to get the word out. And and I think the biggest thing is like uh, a big lesson learned is not to create extra extra like places for people to have to like tune into. Um, so I think the, a couple of things. So um I think like one of our, so for Zero Height and the content community team, like one of our, our like values and principles is go where the people are. So, you know, we're not going to stand up something new if we know that people are, you know, all at this one place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the same thing, like to a certain extent, because I think, you know, it is important like uh, having a, a Teams channel or Slack channel for design system updates, but letting people know that it exists. I think in terms of getting awareness overall for your design system, it's important to go where the people are. So think about any of your quarterly meetings as like an engineering org or a design org, um, a product org in general, like whatever like planning sessions you might have. Anytime you have like a opportunity to share um, like or even for designers like design critiques, hey, we've got a design system update. Um, don't be shy about telling people about it. I, I think the thing is like some people are like, oh, like you're going to wait to be asked by engineering to talk about your design system. No, just like say, hey, uh, I want to have 10 minutes to talk about the design system with the engineering team um, the next time we do quarterly planning. Uh, I think most of the time um, they're not going to say no. Like they want people to know, like to share this information. They're just not going to think about to ask you to do that. So being more proactive on that front um, and then sharing it in like any, like if there's uh, weekly emails that are sent out by the organization or whatever email comms um, there are, um, I would consider, uh, I think the biggest thing is like, you know, um, just wherever you can go, um, set set up like the word. And, and, you know, you can even say like, and it doesn't mean that you have to say, oh, every time there's a, 
a meeting, I have to tell them what the component update was. Like we changed the border from pink to blue. Um, it's not that granular. I think that it's more about communicating, hey, we have this channel for updates. We have this channel for questions. These are the people you can talk to. Um, this is the, the site where you can go to get all your information um, so they know kind of where to go for, for information. Um, but I, I think it is also kind of comes to back to um, when I was like, uh, first uh, manager, one of the advices like someone gave me was like, expect to repeat yourself a lot. And I was like, oh, and I like don't like repeating myself a lot. Like, <laughs> I just feel like if I told you once, it should be good enough. But sometimes people need to be told, you know, two or three times, even five times. So I think that's the thing is like, be consistent, just keep like talking about your design system, talk about the resources. You're going to repeat yourself a lot, but it's like well worth it because if people are kind of wrapping their head around things, changing their habits. Like now they have to go look at a new Slack channel for stuff, um, but they'll get there. And and it's just going to take a little bit of, of time and repetition at first. So yeah, say it, say it loud, say it proud. <laughs> totally. And I think the more often you share the same message, you also start to create these mini evangelists that perhaps you know about, or maybe you don't even know, um, who are going off into their own teams or talking to colleagues that you might not be directly connected with and sort of saying like, hey, there's this brand new design system that we can use that's going to make us faster and includes lots of components and all of these things. Um, so, I think it can feel like such a rote process to try to get anybody to adopt anything new. But when you have some fidelity to that process, you go around and you realize, hey, this is working because people are going to like have side conversations about the work that we're doing. Yeah, for sure. Like if you see like, you know, you might have your your common engineers who are always asking questions in Slack channel. If you see like a random person that you don't really know asking, you're like, whoa, like they got the memo. Like that's cool. Um, for sure. And, and I think that's the thing is like you bring up a good point about like champions and advocates is that like you will start to to get a sense of who is an ally. Um, and then maybe you can say, hey, like, thank you so much for um, sharing about the design system, you know, like, can we loop you in more with updates? Do you mind sharing mm -hmm. them? And that kind of like offloads some of the onus from the design system team to kind of share it with other people. Because all I have to do is just like, oh, yeah, you know, like quarterly check in or whatever. And they they send out the information. Um, they can ask questions. They can get really engaged. And, and people like participating in design system. I think every time I've formed a design system team, like grassroots, like 50 people want to join. And I'm like, I would love to have you all, but like, I cannot have you all um, because, yeah, then we would just never get any decisions made um, and everyone else has to do, like, we all have to do product work. But yeah, I, I think that's the thing is people want to be involved in something that that is awesome and exciting, um, that is, is helpful, right? Like, it's meaningful mm -hmm. work. For sure. And I, I heard one designer describe it as something that is bigger, right? Like if you are a product designer and you design a page, it might be that that page is used one place in one product. But then if you say, okay, I want to be a designer on the design systems team, then almost overnight your work is replicated across multiple different products in some instances or multiple different pages. And that is is like kind of cool like to like go to bed and be like man I've made quite an impact like my work is all over this product um that would make me feel good at least 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's really exciting is that like your impact is is very um, spread out. Like the breadth of your impact is is huge versus like making one feature. And and I think what's kind of cool is like as a product designer, like having to think about design systems, you're forced to kind of level up your skill like naturally mm. because you're like, well, how is this going to work? Not just for my product, but how is it going to work across everyone's product? Or how is it going to scale for um, different devices? Like maybe you don't work on a mobile app, but like part of putting the button component in the design system is how does it work in mobile? So you're you're pushing yourself to think more strategically um, and systematically, which I think is is what's really cool as well as like you're thinking you're building that systems thinking muscle and skill set to know how to to adopt and and consider like what's really important, what's not important, which those skills translate really well. Like if you decide to work at another company that has complicated products, you have a good sense of, you know, what what can be done or what should be done, what levers to pull, what balance to make, what what concessions to make. Um, because you've you've got like uh, you've got spidey senses, right? Like you you've built up that that library of like, okay, I need to think about these couple factors and you're not just like focused on one screen, one app, you know? Totally, totally. I feel like we have had such a robust conversation about not only what a design system is, but also the process in which somebody would go through in order to create a design system that is adopted by folks organization wide. We kind of started with this small definition of a complete set of reusable standards uh, or reusable components guided by standards. I would almost say that based on the conversation that we've had thus far, I would amend that definition to be a complete set of reusable components, foundations, and patterns guided by standards that are reinforced by systems changed and maybe something around design system adoption. Uh, I don't know. What what do you think is like the real definition after talking about it for the last 35 minutes or, or whatever it's been? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I feel like that that is like the <laughs> essence of like what the definition is and we'll have to like feed it to Google so, yeah. so they can change their, their response. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's the thing is just like it, it is all of those things. So I mm. think with design systems, it's more about, and which is why we started this the series, is like thinking beyond the button. Like what else is there that we don't know? And and the idea is that you you might not know everything and you might only find out on, when you cross that bridge, which is always going to be a fun surprise, which I think is, is a lot of what I run into when working with design system teams. But thinking that it is all those tactical aspects, mm-hmm. but also a lot of those intangible aspects Um all, all bundled into to one and that it is it is a system it is it is a like a a very broad system which I think can also feel very intimidating too right because you're like oh if I'm just starting design system how do I go from like just some little itty bitty components to like this this broad system mm-hmm. um which I think you know you don't have to do overnight obviously um don't try to do overnight. Don't try to do it. I, it. It can take years. I mean, if you think about where um, material design started out 10 years ago, it's come so long. And that's because they've been able to build upon it year over year. But I also had like a bajillion people 
working on it. So um, realistically, teams don't have a bajillion people to work on it. Um, And I think it's kind of setting some goals as to like what you want your design system to be in, you know, the next quarter, the next year, the next two to five years and and working toward that. And you'll eventually get there. Um, some of it might come easier than, than other aspects. Um, and at some point, yeah, you might be scrambling at the beginning just to kind of get the process kind of sorted and you eventually get into a, like a maintenance phase, which I think is just, it's really nice. Like, em- like enjoy that maintenance phase, like take a breather and then see like where, where else you can, you know, expand your design system to kind of encompass like all those aspects that that we named and talked about today totally and I suppose I'll ask one more question before we wrap up our very first episode does it even matter if we all have slightly different definitions of a design system as long as we're all using it yeah um that's that's a really good question I think um in the general world speaking we're all going to have different definitions of what a design system is, but everyone on your team or your organization mm. or whoever's consuming it should have a, a very clear understanding of what design systems mean to you and your company. Um, because if, if there's a difference of understanding, people aren't going to understand all the little bits and pieces in the process. So as long as like your core team, teams that need to consume the design system all have that shared understanding um that's fine if it's different than what um i think a design system is or what you know ibm thinks a design system is or salesforce or material or any of those other lovely sites Mm -hmm. or dan mall because i have to name drop dan mall in every episode (laughs) that I, I, i do um or what dan mall thinks so um yeah i think that's the thing it's like everyone on your in your immediate uh purview should have the same understanding absolutely and hopefully this episode helps folks come to a shared understanding of how they want to define design systems in their organization Thank you so much for joining episode one of Design Systems Beyond the Button. I am Neff. I was joined by Michelle, a design advocate at Zero Height. Next month, we are answering the question, who uses a design system? Really, who uses it? So join us then. Thanks, everyone.